Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. My name is Tom, and we have come all the way from England to see you and to find out how this school, this class, is education for everyone. Here at a primary school in Boozy, Mozambique, renowned disability academic Tom Shakespeare is addressing the class. It doesn't matter if your legs work or not. I can't play football. I can't run. I can't cycle. But I can learn. There are about 30 kids here, and they're transfixed. But there's one child in particular Tom's speaking to, 11-year-old Marta, whose crutches are resting against her desk. In some parts of the country, she'd be less likely to be here than many of her classmates. If you're disabled, you can still be a teacher, you can still be a doctor, you can still have your own business, your shop or your farm. So I think disabled people, we can do it. Is that right? Am I right? In Mozambique, those with disabilities can be viewed with fear and superstition. Some even believe that disabilities are contagious. The resulting stigma has left countless disabled people here without access to work and education. I'm Lucy Lamble, and this month on the Global Development Podcast, I've travelled to Mozambique's Sofala province with Tom to trace the journey from schoolroom to workplace for disabled people. We're here to find out how attitudes are changing through community-based rehabilitation, or CBR, and what barriers the country has yet to break down. Often people don't bother, they think, why would we invest in a disabled child? But what community-based rehabilitation does is reach out to the disabled child, support them, make sure mum or dad sends the child to school in the first place, because without education, disabled people are really sunk. As well as researching and teaching at Norwich Medical School, Tom is the UK chair of Light for the World. They're one of the few NGOs operating within Mozambique that are focusing on community-based rehabilitation for disabled people. 11-year-old Marta is one of them. One third of children out of school are disabled worldwide. It's a, it's a crime, in my opinion, uh, in terms of a community not investing in its disabled kids. But this child was found, she's been included, and the story should be good for her from now on. We visited Marta's home a 10-minute drive from the school. She's fast on her crutches, but it's a long trek home. It's dirt paths everywhere, which is obviously fine 
for Marta at this time of year, but it must get trickier in the rainy season when she's having to negotiate the mud. Marta's just shown us how she goes to collect water with the family. Uh, she takes a smaller jerry can, but she does her share of the, of the family duties. Must be quite hard on her joints, though. When it comes to strangers asking her questions with a microphone, Marta's just like many other 11-year-olds, very shy. Marta, what do you like about going to school? What do you enjoy there? Do you have some favourite subjects? Você tem disciplina? Qual é a disciplina que você mais gosta? Matemática. Why? Por que matemática? She loves maths, and her mother Isabel has high hopes for her future. The dream that I have to my child is that she has to focus on her studies and uh, I expect my child to be a director one day, an engineer. I, my dream is to see her graduated and informed and having a position in this society. And how is the attitude here in the community towards Marta and children like her that have extra challenges? In growing up, is there any stigma that, that she experiences? Well, uh, since there's um, awareness raising in this community, there are people who are very helpful to my child, and uh, some of them they used to laugh at her, and, uh, let's say, um, you know, looking bad at my child. But whenever it happens, I do protect my child with all my strength. But out of diets is everything okay. My neighbors treat nice my, my child. So Tom, we've just seen Marta in her school environment and lucky enough to be invited back to her home. Um, what did you think of her setup? I thought it was very interesting. She was obviously late getting to school, but now she's included in her school. She had loads of friends. She was really adept on her crutches. The walk from her house to the school was quite a long way. I couldn't have done it. And she, clearly she did it morning and night, skipping along on her crutches. She said to me that before she had her crutches, she really used to damage her foot because she's got a malformed foot. Now she's got her crutches. She's skipping. Uh, it's good to see. She helps her mum, she carries water. That's what we want, normal included kid. So she's obviously been working with a local support worker doing her community-based rehabilitation. What would that actually practically mean for the family? So what the CBR workers do is they're working in the community. They're not professionals like doctors or nurses, but they go out and they find the disabled adult or the disabled child, and they talk to the parents. They sort of do awareness raising in the community to say, look, disabled people can do what everybody else can do. Let's get this kid to school. Um, they help connect the disabled disabled child or adult with the services. So if they need health services, rehabilitation, education, they're a link. Uh, but, you know, all these schools, all these hospitals don't reach enough poor people. And these were really dirt poor people. Their shirts were ragged on their backs. But the CBR worker helps them connect, helps them be included in state services. And it might be education, it might be health, it might be livelihood, um, but apart from anything else, it's empowerment. It's saying to a disabled person that you can do what everybody else can do. Let's support you to achieve that. And challenge the parents who think you're useless. Say, look, no, this person has a future. So what options are available to Marta after she finishes her education? Light for the World has been working with Young Africa, an organisation that tackles the continent's high rates of youth unemployment through skills training. 
In Beira, Mozambique's third largest city, they run classes on dressmaking and tailoring, cooking, mechanics, welding and electrical engineering. A second site in Dondo offers agriculture and poultry farming, all subjects that aim to equip young people with the skills to find work or set up their own businesses. Young Africa has been working hard to ensure its courses and facilities fully include disabled students. The centre's been fitted out with ramps, they've trained lecturers in sign language and added assistive computer software in their library. It's a huge step forward for young people in Mozambique to have access to these courses. But how well do young disabled graduates do once they complete training and try to find work? You have an impressive crop there. What is it you're growing exactly? I'm growing onions, tomatoes, um, cabbage, Chinese cabbage, and the trucida cabbage. Mateus Mbazo is 23. He has physical disabilities on his right side, affecting his arm and leg. I'm an orphan. My parents they died uh, some time ago. I live with my brothers. And uh, the fact that I'm working on the field is that God helped me a lot. I had no chance and I had to use my the only resource I have, which is my left arm, to work in order to put food on the table because I just realized that if I don't work, I will die and I'll start stealing things. So I had to work to feed my brothers, both my brothers and me. So you managed to get a place on the Young Africa training. Well done for that. How was it? What kind of practical skills did you learn? Well, they taught me how to grow chicken. From as soon as they hatch from the eggs up to 30 days when they are ready for, uh, for selling. So I had to learn how to take care of them, how to clean the pavilions and how to feed them and how to choose the best one which are sellable in the market. And now here you are running your own business, you are cultivating your own, uh, the plot of land that you've negotiated the use of. How does your routine work? I get to, I start working at 6 in the morning up to 6 in the afternoon. The reason why I'm, I'm taking this long period is this because you have, we have got goats from the neighbourhood and if I'm not staying long to watch my crops, the goats will eat my crops. So that's why I have to stay and chase them away all the time after working. I just do some intervals between working on the field and chasing the goats. That's a real problem, yes. Um, and how do you manage the rotation and working with clients? Do you take your crops to the market yourself? I used to advertise my products uh, with people, with friends. I ask my friends to advertise my, peop- my, my crops in town, in the villages. So when they come and see them in the field, they ju- that's when they buy. So you're still a young man and you're already running a very successful business. Congratulations. Uh, what do you want to do next? What are your ambitions? My dream is to grow my skills, develop my skills in agriculture and become a very big farm, f- famous farmer. That's my dream. Self-employment isn't easy for Matthias, especially with his limited mobility and herds of goats to keep chasing off. But he has obvious drive and is really making it work. Many of the disabled graduates become self-employed. Jobs are scarce and not all employers are open to offering disabled trainees positions. Uh, My name is Dalva. I'm Brazilian. 
Dalva owns a restaurant here. She employs Joanna Nantote, a young deaf chef. She's one of the pioneering employers who have offered a permanent job to a disabled young Africa graduate. Joanna, I've saw the potential in her, so I wanted to invest more skills, to invest more experience on her. So when she arrived, she was fresh from this training course. Presumably you needed to help her with some extra skills to meet the needs of your particular restaurant. At the beginning, yes, it was very hard uh, to teach her some new skills and things that I want her to do here at my kitchen. But um, with time, I stopped and thought with myself, like, I need to understand how she do things. How can I speak to her and how can she understand me the best way, I, the best way she can and I can uh, translate to her. And then Joanna is a very skilled girl and whatever I do in the kitchen or here at the restaurant, she understands me immediately. And I do things and I show to her, I just touch her skin for a bit and then she shows, she sees whatever I'm doing and she does exactly how I did it. So that is accomplishment that uh, she have. She's very smart. That's great to hear. Can you imagine employing another uh, person in your business who happens to have a disability in the future? Or do you think it's that Joanna is a particularly special individual and that's why it's worked? Um, to employ another one with a similar uh, or different uh, kind of... Um, disability is going to be easier for me now because I've over the time I've learned with Joanna how to deal with the people with that uh, or disabilities and for me nowadays it's more easy to talk with Joanna because she does everything that I do and to talk with the others is like I need to talk I need to show I need to explain and do all three together for them and do it over and over again but with Joanna the thing is very simple I just show her one time and she does exactly what about those who aren't young enough to be starting out with opportunities like Marta at school or like Matthias and Joanna at Young Africa? In a market in Boozy, I met Sophia, a widow and mother of three. She's experienced plenty of discrimination in her lifetime. Before my husband passed away, my father-in-law was telling my late husband, why did you marry a woman with disability? Because she cannot even fetch water. You should divorce her and find a woman without a disability. Sophia runs a small business selling second-hand children's clothes. Her community support worker helped her to secure a business loan through a credit union. It's an unusual feat here in Mozambique, where disabled people can be considered high-risk by loan companies and are often rejected. I actually joined this saving group because I'm a widow and the three kids and a nephew at home and it's hard for a woman like me raising three kids without any source of income. So I joined this group and I got this loan from them and now this business has really helped me in terms of food for my kids, being able to send them to school. What's it like to run a business here as a woman with a disability? Do you have a good relationship with most of your customers or, or some people a little bit cautious to start with? Most of my clients, they treat me very well and some of them don't. They look at me 
they see someone with disability, some of them, they follow me and I don't know what is the reason behind that, but it's okay. I'm running my business. I'm looking forward to finding a formal job instead of running this kind of business. That's why I'm struggling so that I can finish my studies. So when you finished your evening classes, what do you hope to do next? I'd like to be a nurse. That's why I'm going to school to be a nurse in the future. We've had an interesting few days here in Mozambique looking at different efforts, both community-based rehabilitation, the work of organisations like Young Africa, to open up the job market to people with disabilities. What has impressed you and where do you think there's still work to be done? I'm really impressed by how they've done inclusive technical training. They really put in everything, ramps, uh, sign language. I've never seen that before and it's really good. However, you get these people leaving, where are they going to find the capital to start their businesses? Is anybody going to employ them? We know that unemployment for disabled people is like four times that for non-disabled people. So it's tough. It's a big ask. But if we could close that gap between having the skills and having the job, we'd be home and dry. Previously, there's been a government scheme that people could apply to on on graduating, but because of the financial situation of the country at the moment, that's on a hold. What other ways are there for disabled people to get access to those kind of grants and loans? Within communities, there's obviously credit unions where everybody saves together and take it in turns to take a loan out, which is repaid. But if you're already poor, that's a tough call. But Perhaps uh, Western donors can set up uh, funding to uh, give people capital, which is not very much. It's in the $500, $1,000, at the most $10,000 to set up their businesses. I think these people are viable options. The problem is that many microcredit institutions think disabled people are a bad bet. They are prejudiced against them. They don't want to lend because they need the money back. They want to make the profit and they don't see disabled people as profitable. We've got to turn that perception around. We did, of course, see two people who were doing really well. Joanna, who's happily employed at the Brazilian restaurant and clearly thriving. Matthias, who had been developing his horticultural skills alongside his poultry keeping skills. That's right. And I think what Matthias had was drive. You know, he was only using one arm and he was using a small matter, but... Boy, was he working hard, long hours, uh, tilling and protecting his crop. And I, to be honest, I didn't see that in everybody. And I think that is the difference between the disabled people that are going to succeed and the ones that are going to struggle. That sort of drive which we saw in Mateus and which not everybody has. Now, our deaf friend who was in the kitchen, you know, that was a wonderful constellation. She had the skills, an employer willing to take a risk, who realised that actually disabled people make great workers. And so I hope other people notice that and do the same. The other great opportunity this week has been seeing community-based rehabilitation in action at grassroots level in clearly low-cost settings. Yeah, it's really inspiring to be in the fields in the rural area and poor area and really see CBR at work. I've read the manual, I wrote some of the manual, I've met the practitioners and the leaders from many countries, I've been to the global conference, but I've never been in the field and actually seen all of the elements of CBR that we've seen this week working out in practice with ordinary field work really making a difference to people's lives. It is inspiring. So what does make the difference in a place 
like Sephala province here? Why is it working here but not in other provinces? And is it actually replicable globally? It's working here because we have a community organisation and we have a leader of the government uh, ministry who's willing to partner with them and we have a Western donor who's pumping in some money and skills. That three-way combination is critical. But I think that if it can work in Sephala province, it can work anywhere in Mozambique. And I think for governments to see the added value, this is a hard-to-reach population that are sometimes written off as hopeless. But here we have CBR joining the dots, joining the people to the existing services and enabling them to, to be economically productive. It's what everybody wants. So I hope that when they see the evidence, they'll replicate it. And of course, CBR is used at a national scale. It's used in Iran as a government strategy. It's used in Mongolia as a government strategy. Why not Mozambique too? It's a multi-dimensional approach to the complexity of disability. It's a toolkit, if you like, toolbox rather. And it's got the health, the education, the employment, the social and the empowerment tools in the box. So depending on the individual, what they need, you take out the tools and you fix things. It's at a community level because the individual worker may come once a week, once a month, once a year, but the community, the family, the neighbours, the teachers, the peers in school are the ones that make a difference. So that's why it's fundamentally an educational process of everybody realising the potential of disabled people if only you remove barriers. That's all for this month's episode of the Global Development Podcast. If you'd like to hear more stories from around the world, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you like to get your podcasts. You can read more about our trip to Mozambique and listen to other episodes on theguardian.com forward slash global hyphen development. My name is Lucy Lamble and the producer is Gabriella Jones. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.